You're listening to Rethinking Sustainability. Thoughts, ideas, inspirations for a livable future. Here to start your day on Rethinking Sustainability, I'm going to read you some sample headlines from my weekly feed of media releases. I'm sorry if these are gloomy, but I think you'll agree there's a pattern. The ozone hole's core may not be recovering and animals facing eviction from homes as hotter temperatures spark global displacement. Global mining waste threaten biodiversity, and so on. The question is, how do you cope with a storm of bad news each day? I'm guessing that your reaction is similar to mine, because today I want to talk about a very personal topic. In my darkest moments, I know how serious our planetary crisis is, And though I'm not prone to depression, I carry it around like a big wet blanket. Working in the field of sustainability is like being a crash scene investigator, each day picking through more wreckage. Except this disaster is not past tense because it's happening right now. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. The evidence is everywhere. I read about a former chair of the UK Climate Change Committee who said, we have a 30% chance of avoiding economic and social collapse. Or to put it another way, he thinks we're facing a 70% chance of collapse. On it goes. And last night I was listening to someone talking about that awful former US president. You know who I mean. In spite of his denial of climate change and anything remotely to do with environmental or social justice, his blatant desire to unravel democracy, what makes so many Americans think that he could make their lives better? I've gone from thinking that avoiding disaster is technically possible, and now I don't even know if it is technically possible, let alone the dysfunctional behaviour of people leading us in precisely the wrong direction of where we should be going. And when I saw someone on social media saying, the hoax of greenhouse effect is perpetuated by the fact that money controls the institutions, it reinforces my view that we don't have a science or a technology problem, we have a people problem, which is why I'm focusing on the personal today. I was mulling over all this in a dark mood as I drove up the freeway in southeast Queensland to visit Mum. It's not just a trickle of cars and trucks, it was a stream, it was a deluge, an Amazon river of emitting, consuming, polluting traffic. And the vast space, the resources and the money are our tribute to the holy motor car. The out of control population growth in the region swallowing up the landscape and the entire life of our planet, and countless people each day stuck in traffic in the name of growth, where GDP means economic goodness. Okay, yes, as the evocative phrase suggests, I am doom-scrolling. So back to my opening question. How do you cope with all this? For me, part of that answer goes back to 2017, when I left my comfortable job to write a book 10 Journeys on a Fragile Planet, as largely a character study of 10 environmentalists, and I wanted to tell their stories and get an insight into what makes them think, why haven't they given up? But first, a confession. Those awful headlines a moment ago, I actually didn't read any of those stories, because, as my workmate used to say, 
my worry bucket is full. And there isn't room in my head for all this bad news. And I might have said this is denial, but I've come to realize that it's more a type of filtering or compartmentalizing, boxing off the parts that would torment me. And this is my first strategy for coping. I remember the serenity prayer. It's an example of Stoic and Buddhist philosophy. And I'm sure you know it. It says, Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And then there's the question of hope. I gave a talk the other day in which I hit the theme pretty hard. I was saying, the business model of civilization is broken. It's fundamentally broken, and without urgent and radical change, we are headed for collapse. And afterwards, someone told me that I should be giving people hope. Well, you might disagree, but my view is hope is overrated. It's too much like something out of the fatuous self-help industry. Well, I'm not interested in hope if it means pretending that all you need is to believe. I'm not interested in hope if it means pretending that everything is fine because everything is not fine. What really concerns me about the hope message is that it tends to gloss over the seriousness of our situation. And right now, we need to inject a sense of urgency because anything less will not be enough. I'm more interested in not giving up regardless. Whatever the odds, persevere. And I don't have time to tell you this story, but I highly recommend a documentary called Touching the Void because it's a remarkable account of someone who did not give up. It tells the story of two mountain climbers in South America when one horribly breaks his leg not far from the peak. His situation appeared completely hopeless, and yet he survived. It's a moving account of someone who did not give up. His resilience in the face of dire adversity astonishes me. Don't surrender to the idea that you are powerless, because in some way, however small, you can make a difference. You may be limited, but being powerless requires your permission. A key component of anxiety and depression is the feeling of powerlessness, that you have no control, that you are washed along like a twig in the rain. It's true that no matter who you are, from a street sweeper to prime minister, your power is limited. But that doesn't mean you don't have any, that we have to sit back and wait for it to be granted to us. And I've heard it said that power is not a thing that can be given, it must be taken. So don't hold back, even if it's something small, you can still do something. Hope is optional, helpless is not. And now we're nearly out of time, so here's a starter list of other things that help me, in no particular order, and you'll have your own ideas, of course. Spend time with people you admire and people who have the right attitude. Life's too short to spend with dickheads. And you know the right person because they leave you feeling challenged and motivated, while a dickhead leaves you feeling deflated. And next, there's no shame in asking for help. Talk to your family and your friends. Get professional help if you need. Then, do what suits your character. Do the thing that resonates with you. And not everybody is going to launch a world-changing social movement, but be it large or small, do the things that resonate with your strengths. Do the things that motivate you. Well, that's about it for today, and I'll leave you with this thought. Doing something will probably fail, but doing nothing will definitely fail.
Now if that leaves you feeling the need for something to cheer you up, how about a bit of retail therapy? Next week on Rethinking Sustainability, we'll look at that little dopamine buzz we get when we go shopping. You've been listening to Rethinking Sustainability, and if you'd like to contribute to this series, get in touch with me, Rod, at taylorm2000 at zoho.com.